0: way days pod nate is always joining me as has become consistent i'll introduce mr ferguson first two days from uh from what is it 23rd
1: birthday 23rd birthday is coming up on twelve twenty three. almost a christmas baby oh double presents <laughs> two
0: three on two three that's kind of hype uh but yeah big uh almost almost had some had some i was almost feeling sick this morning i woke up and i was like is it december 21st or 23rd and i was like if it's today i'm not gonna say anything even if the group message is popping off i'm not gonna say anything until we get on the pod i'm gonna act like i forgot and then say Uh, it but it's the 23rd so since this is the last pod before then uh figured i'd shout you out uh and a recent tech grad i know he didn't say anything about that on the uh on the last pod because i you know it sucks but uh but yeah, yeah congrats on that. It. Sucks that you're leaving college is sick. Yeah,
1: appreci- like. I didn't stiff arm the diploma like we thought I might. You know, like I said, <laughs> the, just a football transfer. So appreciate the degree and thanks for the shout out.
0: Yeah, and Lay's gonna give him some forewarning. I'm about to unmute him here, or he has to unmute himself because his dumbass forgot his headphones. So Mr. Land joining us once again from the grandpa's attic. How we doing, Lay?
2: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Yeah, my bad, dropped the ball, but we'll be (laughs) alright we'll be fine
0: I am actively trying to make this not a shit on lathe podcast because since Ferg has joined it's kind of deteriorated into that basically we're hounding lathe I'm not too
2: too happy about it as you noted from my cold stare into the uh, into the FaceTime last week
1: well if you just took your job more seriously we wouldn't have to get on you so much (laughs)
2: that's partly fair
0: I mean look
1: I'm not. I'm not trying to throw
0: stones here, Lay, but like, what what are we doing all day that's detracting from preparing from the pod? Though I'm just.
2: I'm just saying. Hey, man, I don't have much of an excuse. Well, my dog did eat a ton of chocolate today, and we had to take him to the vet. So I'll, that'll be my excuse for this week, and then I'll try to think of one for next week <laughs> in case something else happens. So
0: just going down the list of previous excuses we've had: dropped your phone off the roof <laughs> of your car or the hood of your car, uh, and now we've got your dog. <laughs> eating chocolate and then um just let's make a tally here <laughs> for write it down in the docks so and the
1: business it. trip to savannah can't forget about that
0: one. oh yeah that too that too and flat out just being scared of of the roast session for <laughs> auburn which i still believe was the original reason for that anyway it's the away days podcast got a lot to talk about today on a uh tuesday night with some with some football action is it a double tonight yeah Fer? it is yeah, all the COVID schedules got things jacked up in the NFL. We're going to talk some NFL, but first, transfer portal news is dominating college football landscape. Headliner here, talking, speaking of Auburn, Bo Nicks going quote unquote coast to coast, <laughs> according to his Twitter uh, announcement. Didn't know there was a coastline in Auburn, Alabama. Lay, Lay, you've lived in Auburn the past four years. What's the uh, the beachfront property value um, over in Opelika, like over there? <laughs>
2: Ah, uh, I don't know, man. I, every time he posts anything, I just cringe so hard <laughs> every single time. Maybe that's me being salty that he's not on our team anymore, but I don't know. It's just, it's so weird to me. Listen,
0: you, Listen, should be- you shouldn't be salty yeah. if he's gone. If anything, you should be mildly like not glad, but like you know, a little a little a little grin like the Grinch does. I I just got done watching that underrated movie, I think, or maybe it's properly rated. Maybe everybody <laughs> likes that, but. Um. Yeah, so Bonix going to Oregon. I know in pre- in previous pods we had talked about his potential landing spots once he announced he was going into the portal we I think we were all kind of in agreement that a lateral move at best, more likely probably having to drop out of you know contending power 5 teams. But it's quite the opposite going over to join Dan Lanning and the boys and he gets a rematch with Georgia um in week one of next season in the dome arguably where he played his best game of his entire career which is his first career start at auburn against oregon um in that same stadium so start with you Lay, as a guy who's obviously licking his wounds or maybe maybe his pride's a little hurt and bo nix is cheating on him with the with the pretty nike girl out west uh what are your thoughts on on bo nix going to oregon
2: Uh, You know, it makes a lot of sense in terms of scheme. I think we did, as much as I don't like Bo and didn't think he fit, I didn't think he fit the scheme that Harson is trying to put in, you know, that kind of multiple just power offense that we've been going with. He's a guy that probably would be more suited to a Big 12 spread it out type of offense, and I think that's probably what's going to take place at Oregon. I know that they brought over Kenny Dillingham, who actually spent time as – A quote-unquote offensive coordinator at Auburn Even though it was Malzahn that was calling the plays And that was actually Bo Nix's Statistically best year, I think uh, Of his career So there's a lot to like about it And it's a lot to look at and see why you think he's going to go there I just, I don't know I don't imagine him having that much success Just because I think it still kind of all goes back To his decision making And I don't know how much more they're going to be able to get out of him That two separate coaching staffs And Auburn weren't able to
1: Yeah, I don't know I think going to Oregon, I think it'll be a step up from Anthony Brown it, just for Oregon's team. But, yeah, I think it's from an Auburn fan's point of view, it's probably best that he's left. Because, I mean, look, the only consistent thing about Bo Nix is that he's inconsistent. And at his best, he's maybe above average, but, like, and his lows are low. So I think it's a good thing that Auburn got rid of him. And, you know, maybe holding Garner, the the commit from Benedictine, is that right, Leigh?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's
1: yeah. from Benedictine. Yeah, so either him or T.J. Finley, whoever, let someone else come in and, and have some have a chance to shine. And, you know, I think the Bo Nix ship has sailed, and it's a good good thing for Auburn. Yeah,
0: talking about Bo you know, when, when he originally announced that he was going to transfer, my initial thought was that, like, Brian Harson and him probably sat down and Harson was like, look, like, thanks for all you've done at Auburn, but, you know, I'm not the coach that recruited you. Probably he pulled a uh, – a Phil- no, I'm not Philip Sheely, A Dylan Cole <laughs> on him at UTC for the reference. Basically, sat and said, "Hey, kid, you know you helped us out this year, but I'm not the one who recruited you. And if I have anything to say about it, you're not going to start for me next year. So uh, might be in your best interest to go ahead and move on. Because yeah, I think Auburn is looking to hit the reset button. But yeah, going over to Oregon. I mean, we'll see. Basically, what that means for me is we're never seeing him again because like when you go out west, I mean, even a team like Oregon. I maybe watched twice this year, and both of those were just the blowout losses against Utah. So um, going out west is is basically a death sentence in terms of your your national media presence, anyway. Um, and yeah, very punchable face, Bonick, So I'm not sad to see him see him go. I am sad that Georgia won't get to sack him anymore, <laughs> except for that first game. So we'll get we'll just have to get like 12 in uh, in week one get satisfy that for the rest of the year. But Auburn's not the only team getting better. Uh, debatably, with BoneX <laughs> leaving, Alabama. Ferg, I'll hand you the floor here. You were on this from the get go, um, leak not not leaking it to to the wider circles, but letting some people know that that something might be uh, in the offing for Jameer Gibbs, transferring from Georgia Tech. Your hunch, your your insider info was right. He signs with Alabama or commits to Alabama anyway today, um, and that's big news in the in the southeast. So, Ferg, what is? Uh, I guess, was it ever going to be anywhere else, to your knowledge? Was Jameer thinking about anything other than Bama, or, or is that just the only choice? He
1: only considered two schools, and that was Alabama and Ohio State. I, it, And it makes more sense for him to go to Alabama, just because, obviously, they are the dominant force in college football, and they're losing backs. And with the emergence of Travion Henderson at Ohio State, it just makes more sense to go to Bama, because A, they're the better team, and then he's going to walk in and be the guy at running back, where he'd have to split time with Travion Henderson at Ohio State. The only draw to Ohio State was obviously they're good, and he's really good friends with C.J. Stroud from the uh, Under Armour or the Army All American game. But yeah, it, it was Bam or a bust for me. I, I I really didn't see him going to Ohio State at all, and and I'm happy for him because he's going to have a chance to compete for a Heisman now, and obviously playing these in big time games at big time filled out stadiums that he didn't have at Georgia Tech. We barely get 25k in our games, so. It would be, know, be pretty interesting to see him competing for a Heisman So, because Bam will be going for three in a row and three different positions with Devontae Smith at receiver, Bryce Young at QB, and then Jameer at running back. That would be a pretty nice three-year stretch for Alabama if that were to happen. What do you think, Lay?
2: Yeah, I agree, and I think the Henderson sticking point is kind of the biggest thing. I mean, that's a guy that's younger than him, and they really play the same type of role. They're both similar backs. And kind of like we mentioned earlier, Alabama didn't have a guy like him. His biggest trait is that he's a pass catcher. He can hurt you in multiple areas on the field. You know, Brian Robertson, big bruising back. They didn't throw the ball to him much. You saw how explosive the offense was. But when you got a guy like last year, Najee Harris, I think, was like their third or fourth leading receiver. So when you look at that, it's easy to see how what they sold to him on how they want to use him. And, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm excited for him. It's good to see a guy – uh from our school go out there, but I'll be rooting for him every day except for one and you know you know why. <laughs> uh
0: yeah. I'll be rooting that he rushes for two hundred yards and they lose every game though. Sorry. <laughs> uh yeah. It's uh, best of luck to him. Hope he goes hope he goes number one in the draft, but no Bama can still suck it for sure. Um but yeah, no that's uh I mean big time move. I mean that's the, the highest you know, We obviously had a guy from our high school go to Georgia a few years back, but he never really saw the field there. But this is now easily the highest-profile athlete from, from our area, uh, which is pretty cool. But it's funny, now that he's gone from Georgia Tech, I feel uh, – georgia tech and they're just so irrelevant they won't get a recruiting violation for this that's uh that's almost the idea of georgia tech getting a recruiting violation it's kind of like we're talking about like arsenal getting a ucl or a uh uefa financial fair play ban or like tottenham getting one because this is is, like not gonna happen um but i was at a christmas party um in cartersville the other day this was last friday um and one of the the guys who the guy whose house it was like the man whose house it was I should say it was actually his birthday um is a high up guy at a certain carpet company um up in Dalton where we're from not not the Godfather though different just a different guy um actually, I wish I could remember his name his first name was John Ferg. your dad might might know him for sure, but anyway, he was telling me we get to talking about the masters in golf and sports and Georgia Tech, and he tells me he went to Georgia Tech and uh we're talking about Jameer Gibbs, so he's probably going to Bama. He was like, yeah, I was a big part of the of the crew that tried to recruit him to Georgia Tech. He said, uh, me and a bunch of other tech guys at, at Shaw, at the carpet you know, company, invited him into the boardroom and showed him some things and said, listen, son, this isn't a four-year decision. This is a 40-year decision. Uh, it's all about what your life is going to look like after this. And he was laughing the whole time saying this because it ended up being just a two-year decision. It didn't end up even being four. So, uh I don't know how much money those guys gave him, but uh, maybe they didn't give him any. I don't know. I, he didn't. I, I've you know. I'm not trying to throw shade on on John here, hey, the, so, the money he's getting
1: uh, is in the from the forty years down the road, not right now. Go, that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the angle we're going with here.
2: Hey, uh, hey! Look here, Jamir. You see this carpet style we got here? This is one that we call the Gibbs. <laughs> this, got your product name. You
0: two, you two can live in a very nice house in rural northeast Georgia, <laughs> northwest Georgia. If if you go to Georgia Tech. Yeah. Um, so anyway, well, good for Jaw, um, Ferg. You got another thing on here. This Eli Ricks guy. I don't know shit about that. He's also going to Bama. Which yeah, which you Eli got? Eli
1: Ricks was. The number one or two-rated corner, five-star out of IMG that was went to LSU. And just last week, he flipped. He transferred to Alabama. So just another instance of Alabama getting better. And Again, the whole one-year free transfer thing, like I alluded to last week, I think it's terrible for college football. It's guys looking for a step up. A guy like Eli Ricks with that kind of talent. A guy like Jameer Gibbs, that kind of talent, going up to Bama just to make Bama's dynasty even more powerful and increase their chances of winning another natty. It's just – it's another instance of a rich getting richer with eli rick's stud db going to bama
2: yeah um for context nathan he's he was supposed to be like the Derek stingley of last year's class that's the type of impact he was supposed to make from a talent perspective and he didn't see much playing time obviously they have a crowded room so seeing him go to a place like bama where they've got some guys leaving it's going to be easy to see how he can make an impact and still have a couple years to kind of fine-tune his skills
0: yeah, well, talking about the rich getting richer. I know we, we didn't really do a ton on, on signing day, but Georgia have an SEC West anyway. Um, Texas A&M number one, Bama number two, and Georgia number three classes according to 24/7. Looking at it right now, Georgia with five five stars. So I don't think they're too worried about what Alabama's doing over there. But um, but we'll for for giving me a big eye roll. What's what's up with that? No,
1: I mean, Georgia's got the most talent every year. They've they've had the number one recruiting class like every year. I mean. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be fine with talent. But, I mean, it's not about the talent. It's about the coaching. And I don't know if Kirby can oh, beat Saban. It's really that – I don't know. That's a
0: whole other conversation. But I'm, I'm with you, though. I personally don't get super into recruiting, really, other than just signing day. Because, like, I don't care about you until you do something on my team. You know, like, I'm not going to get – there's way too many uh, – um, Oh, who's the the dude who went to who's been at like four different schools with a five star. Oh, that, that delay uh, sucks late. off. Oh, what's <laughs> yeah. his name? Yeah. Tate Martel. Tate Martell. Tate Martell. Yeah. There's way too many guys out there like that to get excited about who just don't end up doing shit. So I just I just I'll wait for him to play on Saturdays and, and get excited about him then. Um, somebody who's already proven it at least a little bit on Saturdays over at USC, another one of the big time quarterbacks in the transfer portal, has found a location. Uh, Layth again was shitting all over Pitt indirectly the other week, talking about the Virginia Tech job and how great of a job it was because you don't have to compete against anybody in state to recruit. There's nobody else, and I said, watch out for those Panthers, man. They're big, they're 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 building something over there, and what do they go and do? Get Keaton Slovis in the portal. So Lay, answer that.
2: Okay, you're talking about that first of all, that Virginia Tech job. That was the Penn State defensive coordinator taking a head coaching job. So I think you can cut me some slack on that one. Um, But, you know, this was another one that I was a little bit salty about because I was kind of hoping Auburn was recruiting Slovis to be that kind of bridge guy while we get Holden Garner ready. But, you know, he's a guy – I remember when he got in the portal, the one thing he said that he wanted to be able to do was be able to compete immediately, and he wanted to be in a high-flying offense. And that's what that offense was last year with Pickett. Granted, I don't know who all is coming back. I know they had the Bolitnikov winner. I don't know what year he is, but – I think everything is still kind of the same over there as far as coaching staff goes. So if he's looking for somewhere where it's kind of secure, everything's pretty stable, and they've had a high caliber offense, it makes a lot of sense for him to be successful there.
1: Yeah, if Kenny Pickett didn't have the kind of year that he had, I don't see. I don't think you see Keaton Slovis going to Pitt. I think he may have gone to a place like Auburn to be the bridge guy, like you said. But with this yeah with their offense and the numbers Kenny Pickett put up, I think it's easy for Keaton Slovis to say, "Hey, I can go, I can go and be that guy too. I can replicate those numbers, and I could be a Heisman finalist and become a first round talent or pick because he 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 does have that talent. I mean, he was a starting quarterback at USC. You know, he's been a beast. We've seen him perform well in big moments. So I think it's a good thing for the Panthers and the ACC to get another another high profile quarterback in the conference.
0: Yeah, makes me wonder what what must be coming down the pipeline in Southern California with a, uh, you know, with new coach and, and you know, kind of revamping things over there because I would think that'd be a pretty nice place to stay if you thought you were going to play, but obviously he doesn't think he's going to. Why uh, you know why else leave? Um, but yeah, ACC is is, I mean, we've seen a couple of teams like you talk about Wake Forest and Pitt teams that have that have made some made some quarterback prospects or we didn't necessarily think there was one going into this season. Um, and it, it looks to be – I mean, nothing about Clemson suggests – I mean, they're certainly, I would think, going to be better than they were this year. But there's nothing about them that thinks, that makes you think they're going to go back to immediately just dominating that conference again next year. I mean, it looks pretty pretty wide open with a lot of stuff uh, changing over there. So, yeah, if you're, if you're a big-time quarterback and can go into an established team and try to get something going, that, I mean, that makes good sense to me. Um, now, that actually is going coast-to-coast, Bo Nicks, for for a geography <laughs> lesson for you there. Uh, Southern California – or Pennsylvania does have coastline, at least. Um, but, yeah, quick uh, update on the bowl games. I know not a lot has been – because we're still in the very early stages of it where I honestly, like – it's this part of the bowl season where you're just, like, you know doing whatever at, like, 1 p.m. on a Wednesday and look up and there's a football game on that you just didn't even know about. Uh, so that's that's kind of where we're at here. I think 11 games have been played. We're looking at, I think, at least one was going on – or maybe it just ended right as we started recording – um, that being Kent State and Wyoming, Wyoming handling the golden flashes in that one. I don't know if there's another one tonight or not. Yeah, actually, uh, UTSA and San Diego State about to kick off in here just a minute. Ferg, I know that was one you said you were low key excited about this matchup. Um, looking at our at our group here, I'm currently sitting in first, but not too much to brag about because I'm only six and five. So, uh, but what who, who you got in this one tonight and why was this remind everybody of why this was one you had your had your eyes on
1: <laughs> right, so this one does have a little bit of a dalton connection so the san diego state <laughs> transfer quarterback from georgia tech lucas johnson dates michaela a girl we know from high school and, and then just the fact that they've been ranked for a good part of the year and so is utsa just kind of a low-key good teams that you wouldn't think of matching up in a bowl game that was the appeal for me so and i actually have utsa winning this game so i'll be pulling for a the Roadrunners, if I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so go UTSA
2: tonight. I like how you had your Nathan currently sitting in first. Meanwhile, there's like four or five people tied for first with that number one beside him. Let's slide that in, though.
0: Listen, listen. All I the, the, right, Honestly, God, I didn't even look at the standings. It just tells me like really quick on the pop-up just where I'm at. Like it doesn't say tied for. It just says what it is, and it said first. So, honestly, I have no idea what everybody else is i am in
1: last last. at four and seven
2: well i mean i don't know we got how many bowl games are there total i don't even i don't even know that off the top of my head
1: i think there's 44
2: is it 44 so we still got a little bit until we start to separate the men from the boys here
1: (laughs) oh lay i thought you were running bowl season
2: hey i'm still sticking to that man i'm in a good spot if you unchecked the rankings, I'm actually tied for first.
1: <laughs> okay, settle down, now, Lay.
2: All right, let who you got tonight, Lay? Though uh, I think I went with. Let me see here. Uh, I think I went with UTSA. Okay, they
0: were, okay, all-, they were all on the roadrunners tie. That means they're definitely losing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, before, yeah, before trying to turn things forward again, look at some before the next time that you know that'll be played before the next time we podcast. Uh, which holiday season, I don't know what we're, uh, we usually just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and figure it out uh, the day of, so I don't know what our what our festive schedule is going to look like as far as doing this podcast, but um, the next few bowl games, again, we got UTSA and San Diego State tonight, Armed Forces Bowl, Army and Missouri tomorrow night, um, Thursday, two days before Christmas, North Texas and Miami of Ohio, two 500 teams, um, <laughs> Then the big one Thursday night, seven PM prime time, UCF in Florida, battle of I guess are those the best two teams in the state of Florida? No, yeah.
1: Miami might be better than them. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't the Knowles though. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it ain't Brian. the Knowles. It ain't the Knowles. <laughs> um,
0: then Christmas Eve brings just Memphis and Hawaii. I would have thought there'd been more games on Christmas Eve um, and Christmas Day. Just the one. Uh, Georgia State and Ball State. So yeah, not a whole lot of uh, exciting fixtures coming up between now and the holiday. But um, but yeah, just had to bring up the bowl games again because Leith keeps saying because we we keep clowning him about his uh, college football pick 'em record. Which let's see, quick scroll, quick, quick scroll. Uh, you trying to hide it, Lay? Oh, I can't. Ah, oh, here it is. Yeah, it's not okay. Keep in mind, folks, we don't pick against the spread. Again, of like for all season, like just literally picking winners, and like Georgia, Alabama, you know, Oklahoma have been one of like the teams with great records. Has been a one of three picks we make just about every week. So like if you're if you ever go over in a week, something's wrong. But Lath, one game under 500 at 19 and 20. Meanwhile, I somehow have made a lot more picks. I think that's from Lath. Like refusing to pick against Auburn in Auburn games, uh, and just declining to make a pick, thinking he's Kirk Herbstreit or something. But I somehow am twenty six and fourteen, which is six and a half games ahead of him, I think. So, uh, yeah, Ferg, you'll have to just like take. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head which your bowl pick him was. So I don't, I don't have a little slot for you. But, uh, but anyway, so yeah. That's uh, as if we ever
2: needed another reason to clown lay for his picks. There's, there's one. All I know is that when I win this bowl pick, I'm, I'm gonna need a public apology via the pod. You ain't so getting one. I'm, I'm gonna hold you to that if that turns out to be the case. Hey, 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 I, I am, I am nothing if not a man of my word. If
0: you, I will, I will publicly apologize if you. Accounting for the bowl record, end up beating me over the season long total. Like if you beat me in the bowl pickings by one pick, like you're not getting an apology from me. But if you make up the six and a half yeah. games in the bowls, then yeah, then yeah, we'll we'll talk. Um, but you got you got a long road ahead of you to do that. And you got an even even longer road in the NFL. Where to be fair, both of us haven't been very good. But you have especially been ass. Uh, your Buffalo Bills, the main reason why, although they get it, they get a bounce back win. Uh, at the weekend, but I want to start with urban Meyer officially out the door. I think that news broke not too long. I mean, it, it seems like it's been a few days, but, uh, this is the first podcast since it's happened. Obviously Ferg, you've got here written almost seemed like he wanted to get fired. I don't know if the, but does the buyouts in the NFL work the same way as college? Cause if so, then yeah, he probably, did. I
1: have no idea how the buyouts work, but you could just tell like from his attitude and his demeanor on the field and, and all the stuff that broke out about him kicking his, his kicker. And his kicker said, don't kick me. He said, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick whoever the fuck I want. Like, all the stuff that's been released, it just seems like he wasn't happy. He didn't want to be there. And, yeah, it just seemed like he was just trying to get fired. It seemed like it, all the all the rumors that came out about him shitting on his coaches saying, you're not a winner. I'm a winner. You guys are losers. I mean, just, just being a horrible um head of a team, it's just – I he, had, he wanted to get fired. I'm sorry. There's no way. He had to get fired. He wanted to get fired. I don't know. I don't know.
2: See, I I don't know. I look at it, and I think that I see a guy that just knew it was coming. You know, he was having a terrible year. There were a lot of high hopes for him. What he did in college was great. Will it translate? There was all these questions, and I think he kind of thought he was that guy that was going to do it, and it just didn't work out. He had all the off-field issues. And I think at that point, it was almost like he was just a dead man walking. I mean, it's a guy – he could look at the season and say, look, we're having no success there. I'm getting just blistered by people off the field. I think he kind of just had an idea – That he was gonna get fired sooner or later. So, and that was just kind of his way of just whether he was able to hide it, probably not. So, that's what that's kind of where I see him. But also, I mean, to your point, um, talking about like how it works in terms of the buyout, I was doing some investigating on this and there was, uh, I saw something where I think they're trying to fire him for cause. I don't know if that'll be with because of the kicker or kicking the kicker or whatever it was. But if that's the case, then I read that they don't have to pay him a dime. So, certainly he wouldn't be trying to get fired. Uh, if he knew that. Well, and you, you're talking
0: about knowing he was going to get fired. See, I come at it from the standpoint of, even if they went, you know, 2-15 and 14. Yeah. 15 or whatever it is now that they play 17 games, like, I don't think he gets fired this season purely for performance, no matter what, oh, really. Yeah, no. um, fact of the matter, the reason he's getting fired is because he's an <laughs> asshole. Like, you can't do – you can do some of the things that he did if you're winning. I mean, you're still an asshole even if you do it. But, like – Nobody ever finds out about it if you're winning, you know? But you do this kind of stuff on a losing team, and it's just... I mean, it's the same conversation that like we had about uh, Ed Orgeron at LSU before Ferg joined the pod. You know, LSU didn't have a horrible season, but you just kind of can't be the distraction that he was off the field and doing some of the morally iffy things he was doing off the field and not winning in national championships. Like... It's it's for better or for worse, winning solves a lot of things, but you know losing even that's not what cost Urban Meyer his job. He lost his job because, you know losing is one reason, but he gave you know, Shahad Khan or Sahid Khan or whatever you say the, the owner's name, who also owns Fulham Football Club, by the way. Uh yeah, so he's not used to winning at all, really. <laughs> but uh you know he he Urban gave him one too many reasons to fire him, and you know just being a dick is uh you know, that's that's a good enough reason as any, and that's probably why you know that's leading to this for cause thing. You know I mean and and good good for the Jaguars. Like I'd love to you know in a in an era where coaches get paid millions to just go the fuck away, like it's kind of nice to see them get treated like any other employee would. Where if you get fired, like you're not you know you get two weeks of severance pay maybe, and then you're out. So
2: yeah, um, I mean. Yeah, he definitely wouldn't have gotten fired if it was just the record. You're right about that. But I think he did look back and realize he'd made some mistakes and it was going to trend that direction regardless at this point. But moving forward, you know, do you think he's a guy – is there a college program that's going to want to snap him up if he's out for a job? He probably doesn't want to end his career on this note. Okay, but do you think it's going to be a situation like a Hugh Freeze where he goes back after being just embarrassed, goes back to like a small school like a Liberty? Or do you think – He's in contention for a power five program at this point.
1: I think with the success he's had in college that he would get a high profile college job. Now all these high profile college jobs that have just opened have been closed. I mean, Notre Dame's filled Oklahoma's filled Florida's filled USC's filled. So he might have to wait a little bit so I can see him maybe going back to do some TV stuff, but with with his track record and national championships and the success he's had, he's going to go to a high-profile, factory, blue blood kind of program. I don't think he'll have to do it Hugh Freeze did, because Hugh Freeze didn't have the kind of sustained success that Urban did when he was at Florida and Ohio State. Yeah,
0: fact yeah. the fact of the matter is, if, if Urban comes back to college football, he becomes one of, what, four, maybe now three active coaches that have won a national championship? Uh, now that Coach O is out of a job. I mean, it's just, it's like, if you win a national championship in college football, man, like people shit on Kirby and, and maybe deservedly so about not winning one, but that's the hardest thing to do in sports, honestly, is is to win a national championship as, as a head coach because there's really, again, you know, Davo Swinney, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, you know, Coach O is not active anymore. Who else is an active football coach? That's, that's one one, you know, so just just because of the fact that he has not won but uh, a couple um he'll he'll land somewhere but i honestly think this year he'll probably have to to sit out i don't i don't really see him going to a to a smaller school and i honestly don't really see him going to tv this year just because of the the volatile nature of the news coming out about him like ultimately you don't put people who who work in tv have been fired for a lot less than what urban did and so it's just not going to be a good look for Fox or whoever it was that he was with um, to bring him back. So he'll probably lay low for a season or lay low in, until one of those better jobs opens up. Now, I don't know. Ferg, you say say blue bloods. Like, I think he'll definitely go to a big team. I don't know if like, you know, I don't, I don't know what blue blood job is coming yeah. open anytime soon that he would take. But, you know, like if, I could see if if things don't go well for Hypo at Tennessee in a couple of years, that yeah. could be some place that that Urban ends up, or if Lane Kiffin some you know finds somewhere else to go that isn't old Miss, yeah. uh, Urban Meyer could fit there. But I don't I don't see him making any immediate moves. Yeah. Uh, not like he's got to do himself a favor and let and let some of this negativity die down, because um, like I don't think just after what. You know, after what we've heard and seen in terms of like how he was treating his players, like I can't imagine too many parents letting him sit in their living room and tell them how they're going to take care of his their kid at college. You know, it's just it's not going to be a good look recruiting wise.
1: Yeah, I think he definitely needs to lay down for a little bit. Yeah, recruiting specifically. I mean, what mom wants to have this guy who's kicking his players and cussing out his coaching staff, calling them losers who wants to send their kid to a program run by him? So waiting is definitely the right. And he should probably just wait for the right job to open. Don't jump at the first good opportunity. Wait for a great opportunity to come up. Maybe Saban will retire in three or four years, or maybe maybe Dabo will go somewhere. Who knows? I mean, you never know. I mean, this thing evolves so quickly. So he definitely should wait for the best opportunity to open up in a few years.
2: Yeah. I mean, and there's also – there's not a lot of coaches out there that have a video of them being danced on while being married – to some random girl in a bar. I think if you could find one of Saban like that, that'd help us out real quick. But I, I don't know. I think you're right. It's going to take some, a while for the negativity to wear off.
0: I don't think anybody's danced on Saban
2: in quite a long time. Like, uh,
0: his, wife, his wife, anybody. I, I don't know. But with that quick check and lay, I'm, I'm hoping you've been remembering to mute and unmute your mic here. Uh, I, I somewhat doubt it, but we'll see, I guess, when I when I edit the podcast and just see how awful it sounds. But – uh, keeping going with the NFL storylines, who's got the toughest road to clinch the playoffs? We're getting towards the sharp end of the regular season. Um, again, you got to keep in mind an extra wild card spot for the second time uh, since they made the change last year. They've stuck with it. So now you've got one first round bye to the to the best record in the conference, then the rest of your division winners, and then three wild card spots. Ferg, you've listed out. I'm assuming that was you, Ferg. If not, shout out to Lave or whoever, whoever did this up here, but... We've got some, uh, yeah, Ferg raising his hand. <laughs> We've got some playoff scenarios uh, to debate here, mostly AFC by the looks of it, but um, I don't have. Ferg, Ferg, why don't you take this while I try to pull up uh, some of these current standings to give some context? Yeah,
1: here. so talking about who's got the toughest road to clinch playoffs, obviously we're talking about contenders for the wild card spots. And in the AFC North's case, the, the actual division winner. So the Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, Raiders, Vikings, and Bills all have very tough roads to make the playoffs considering the fact that they're right there around 500 right now. In my opinion, I think the toughest road is probably for the Ravens. They have to face the Bengals, the Rams and the Steelers down the stretch. And they're coming in at what are they eight and six and, and the Steelers are seven, six and one. The Bengals are also eight and six. And then you got teams like the Colts and the chargers who are probably gonna make the playoffs who don't have such a hard road. And they're competing with those teams too. So and additionally, the Bengals, they play the Ravens and the Chiefs and the Browns. That's also a very tough schedule. So I don't know who's going to win the AFC North because the Bengals and Ravens have the same record, and they both have very difficult uh, schedules down the stretch here. And they also play themselves, so I guess that's probably going to be uh, what determines who wins that division. Additionally, in the NFC, the Vikings sitting at 7-7, seven and seven, and the fact that they're super inconsistent despite how high their how high their highs can be, they have a very tough schedule down the road with – games with the Rams and Packers left over the, these next three weeks. So it'll be interesting to see if the Vikings can muster up a little bit of the good Vikings success and beat these teams and make the playoffs. What do you think, Lay? So
0: yeah, Lay. surprise, surprise, having some more computer problems. Um, you know, maybe watching some sus things on the laptop finally uh, get into the uh, security there, crashing his laptop. So I'll take over for that, for Just taking a look at this at this playoff picture. Um, you know, Got it here in front of me. A few of these teams, obviously, even with the extra wild card spot, are going to miss out. But currently in the NFC, your wild card teams looking like the Rams and the 49ers. I know Latham and I had talked about preseason how the NFC West actually had the chance for the first time, you know, to be the first team ever or the first division ever, rather, to uh, to have all four teams make the playoffs. Because previously that was never possible because there was never three wild card spots. But going into the year with Russell Wilson in Seattle. 49ers being as strong as they are and the Rams in Arizona um, thought that maybe there was a chance, although a small chance because they were going to beat each other up, but a small chance that maybe all of those teams could, could get in. Um, but as it stands right now, three out of those four, Seattle really not uh, with too much of a chance. I mean, they'd have to, they'd have to win out and hope for a lot of stuff around them, which just probably isn't going to happen. But Minnesota currently sitting in that last wild card spot at the moment um, with green Bay winning that division. So yeah, looking on these teams that are on the outside, looking in, you got New Orleans, Washington, Philly, um, Atlanta. Even down there, I almost I don't even know why I said Atlanta. They have zero chance. I actually think they're going to lose to the Lions um, this week. But of those three, Ferg, Saints football team, Philadelphia. Which of those you think is the most or has the best chance to sneak inside? Because you know ultimately. It's the NFL, you know, teams are going to lose every week. San Francisco, Minnesota, they're definitely, I mean, Minnesota has the Rams coming up this week. So which of these teams, you know, between New Orleans, Washington, and Philly do you like the, to have the best chance to, you know, end the season strong and win enough games to get
1: into one of those bottom well, spots? Well, I don't have the uh, those teams' schedules out in front of me, but based on what I saw on Sunday night, I'd have to say the Saints. The way their defense played and really shutting down the Bucks. Now, I granted, they, they did lose. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Leonard Fournette. But, you know, they had Leonard Fournette up until the third quarter. And, and the Bucks def- or the Saints' defense just absolutely dominated the game. So if they can play like that against the rest of their opponents, I could easily see the Saints sneaking in and snagging that last spot.
0: Yeah. And they've got Miami this week, whereas both the 49ers and the Vikings have tough matchups. Vikings go uh, – or they host the Rams, and then San Francisco having to travel to Nashville to take on the Titans, which we're going to make a pick on that game here um, in a little bit. But – Over on the AFC side, that's the one that's more interesting to me, I think, just because in a real up and down season for basically every team, all, you know, regardless of conference, I think the AFC has had just the most going on with it. I mean, you look at the AFC North, you talked about how all of those teams end with a chance to win that division, not just even, um, uh, you know, sneak in as a wild card spot. Uh, And then, you know, we're talking about Bills, Pats in the AFC East um, with a chance, or is that the AFC North? That's the East, 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 isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. you know that game this week between those two is probably going to decide who wins that division. So uh, I'll, I'll put two questions to you here, Ferg. First, give me who do you like in that AFC East? I know we've been clowning Lay about his Bills fandom all year, and they have not rewarded his confidence <laughs> at all. Um, but I know you're a believer in this hard to beat a good team twice crap. So New England did take the first matchup in Buffalo, and now they get them at home in Foxborough. If the winners decided by this who are you taking uh, in this game? I'm taking the Patriots.
1: Look, I know I know I know there's a lot of talk about the hard to beat a good team twice, but what I will say is it's hard to beat a good team 2 weeks in a row. And Bill Belichick just lost to the Colts and I don't I see them bouncing back this week and being the Patriots or beating the Bills. I, it's in Fox Pro, just it makes sense. I think the Pats are going to roll and win this division.
0: Yeah, I don't know what Belichick's record in like division clinching games or similar scenarios, but I bet it's yeah. really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he just It's hard to imagine, you know, it's hard to remember too many late games in the year in Foxborough where the Patriots didn't win. Now, granted, all of those are with Tom Brady and they don't have him anymore, but I think I'm leaning with you there too. But you talk about what the Colts did against the, against the Patriots. They're a team that I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to at all this year. Um, But Jonathan Taylor playing like, you know, potential MVP candidate. He's got their team, you know, inside, inside that top five in the conference. Um, Just, I think that's a, yeah, full game back of the Titans who I believe, do they play each other again before the end of the year? Okay. So they've already, yeah, they've already played both of those, but still Colts. You know, inside track to make the playoffs. Then you got Chargers sitting down in sixth, and Buffalo in seventh, who, with a loss, could find themselves really fighting for a playoff spot because you got Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Miami, Cleveland, and Denver all sitting just one game off um, of that sixth spot. So, put the same question to you that I did in the in the NFC. So. Between Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Miami, Cleveland, and Denver, who – shout out to Denver. I was clowning them at the beginning. I've used clowning a lot in this podcast after, like, maybe one total usage in the 12 episodes prior to this. I've not used it, like, four times. But they started the season, what, like, 3-0, 4-0? You know, yeah. oh, but they beaten the Jets, the Giants, the Jags, and, like, somebody else. So I didn't really – I wasn't buying into old Teddy B, Teddy 2 gloves. Um, who he went off with like a big injury. So I don't know what that means with them. I see Firk smiling Uh, and we'll talk about your, your betting losses here in a second, but real quick of those teams that are on the outside looking in, who do you like the best to to get into the playoff?
1: Um, I'd say probably Baltimore. I I just, that was one of the options, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, they're, I mean,
0: they're, they're tied technically, you know, I guess it's just the head to head, keeping them out um, from Buffalo or whatever, because uh, Buffalo, the Chargers, the Colts, and Cincy are all sitting at 8-6, and six, and so is Baltimore. Yeah,
1: yeah, so obviously I'm pretty confident that the Chargers and the Colts are going to make it for the 5-6 and six spot. And, and, yeah, I think the seven spot will go to the Ravens. I think the Bengals will win the division. And I think the Ravens, I don't know when Lamar is coming back, but Huntley looked really impressive. They almost came back against the Packers when they were down by 14. And, and I, I like to ride with Lamar and John Harbaugh and those guys. I think the Ravens had the best chance of those teams to get the seventh spot if they don't win their division.
0: Yeah. Tyler Huntley, he did look impressive. He looked like a guy who's who's playing for a potential move um, in the offseason because after watching him play, there's no way he's not one of the 32 best quarterbacks yeah. in the league, I think, looking at that. There's a team out there somewhere that could use him, especially in a year where the draft class is pretty weak at quarterback. Um, a team that knows they want to take a quarterback in maybe a couple of years, maybe next season, uh, just have kind of a holdover guy. I think Tyler Huntley could do that. Or, you know, best case scenario, he ends up becoming your franchise guy. So uh, he looked solid. I'm praying for my Browns, man. Like I thought thought they really had it. I mean, if they would have gotten that win against the Raiders at home last night, that would have been such a big deal, given all the people they were missing for COVID. I mean, head coach sitting at home, um, Baker out, you know, uh, Miles Garrett. Got injured at some point in the game to just missing missing so many guys, and when you have to put the game your the ball in Nick Mullins' hands to win you the game, that's never a good thing. But he just about did it. Uh, but that just speaks really to I think how good Cleveland's defense is, keeping them in that game. But at the same time, the Raiders. It doesn't matter if they're you know Oakland, Vegas doesn't matter. They're the kings of throwing away football <laughs> games, though. Like they, nobody wants to win. It seems like less than the Raiders because they find ways to lose, but. Daniel Carlson, who's been the best kicker in the NFL, debatably this year, uh, doing enough to to get them a narrow win. Lay is smiling on the FaceTime, even though he can't hear him, because that's about all Daniel, or that's about all Auburn fans can get excited about these days. <laughs> just enjoying the exploits of a kicker who hasn't played for them in two seasons. Um, yeah, AFC wide ass open, impossible pr- to predict. So uh, definitely be keeping an eye on that as we move forward. And let's check on our time here. Uh, how long we've been at this because we got okay. football to get to tonight about 42 minutes so got a little bit of soccer I want to get at the end so let's go quickly through uh, through the last bits of our NFL um, yeah fuck the Bills for Lay sorry they're not good uh, <laughs> Ferg and I definitely teaming up rooting for them to miss oh, the yeah. playoffs because we're if you thought this was a shit on Lay podcast already just <laughs> Way. wait if the Bills don't make the playoffs um, they have to get our boy AJ on the pod <laughs> if the Bills don't make the playoffs <laughs> um, the resident Bills fan of our friends that's actually the only Bills fan I know I think um, but yeah I want to go ahead and jump to our picks for a big weekend of NFL action after last week which I thought kind of lacked in terms of better games to bet on this one has a lot of tasty lines but with COVID it's going to be really important to keep a close eye on these and see how these move uh, I'm not a big NFL better to begin with because I think it's impossible but especially especially now with all this COVID stuff going on although I did call the Saints uh i didn't think they'd actually upset the bucks but I, I i had the saints plus 12 that was easy money ferg i'll give you a quick 30 seconds to digress on your issues um betting that night as yeah, well yeah
1: so for me i kind of tried something new with some player props and had some success i was a, about i won about 60 to 70 percent of them i'm I, i've hit like eight or nine like 10 dollar ones and i ended up going up like 20 bucks but i lost it all betting on uh some props for the bucks game so I cursed the Buccaneers. I picked Tom Brady to have over two and a half touchdowns and Gronk to score the first touchdown. And what do you know? The Bucs got shut out for the first time. And the first time Brady's been shut out since 06. So my apologies to Tampa for cursing you and also boycott Bears and Raiders. That's it.
0: Well, the thing is with the NFL and especially betting, like just sometimes whatever just doesn't make any fucking sense is what you need to bet on. Like I told you I had no real reason for liking the Saints in that because Sean Payton at home with COVID missing a bunch of other people because of COVID. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, who went, came into the season as their starting quarterback, not playing. Taysom Hill playing quarterback was never much of a thrower to begin with. But he had a banged up finger, or, you know, just nothing going the Saints' way, and then that defense just plays out of its mind and beats them nine to nothing. It's <laughs> like a 1950s scoreline. So um, the NFL just doesn't make any sense. So with that in mind, I'm taking the Titans at home against the 49ers this weekend. Titans catching three and a half. No Derrick Henry. You know, they haven't looked – they haven't been closing this season especially strong, but they're still hanging on for a playoff spot. But I love a home underdog in the NFL, so I'm taking the Titans plus three and a half. I'm taking
1: 49ers, 27-20, so that's an easy cover for them. I think the 49ers are fighting for that playoff spot, and I think they're going to get the win at Tennessee this weekend.
0: And might I clarify, too, obviously – A win for the Titans would be a cover, but I am taking the Titans uh, outright for those of you uh, money liners out there. And then Leith, it looks like, is still struggling, so I'll go ahead and read his pick. Uh, No, or is he back? He's back. Uh,
2: Yeah, I'm back. I'm back now. Are
0: you you recording? recording?
2: Yes, I am recording.
0: Oh, God, this is going to be a bitch to edit, but (laughs) go for it.
2: No, I think it'll be fine. It was clean. But, yeah, I'm going with 49ers in this one. I think Kyle Shanahan's kicking it into gear, and they've started to look a lot better the past couple weeks. I got 49ers, (sighs) 27-17.
0: Oh, so I feel so good about this might now have then. I'm, I might have to got... change my pick. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you stay over there and book it with Trent. We don't, we don't need that bad mojo on this side. Uh, I'll, I'll keep up. Uh, next up, Col- Colts-Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals minus one at home. Um, Colts looked really strong last week with what they did to the Patriots, running the ball really well. This one, for me, just comes down to the fact that the Cardinals are reeling after that Lions loss. I think they know they – to keep remotely in the hunt for for a first round buy and even maybe to win that division with the Rams on their heels, I think they know they need a win. I like them close one, but seeing that you guys do too, I don't know. I don't know if that, how much of that changes it, or at least Leif does anyway. But yeah, I got Cards thirty one twenty eight. Yeah,
1: I like the Colts to win this game outright on the road twenty seven twenty four. The way Jonathan Taylor has been running the ball and the Cardinals just look so sloppy against a pretty horrible Detroit team last week. I, I just can't see how you can pick the Cards. So I'm rocking with the Colts to win on the road.
2: Yeah, I'm going with the Cardinals. Kind of back to what Ferg said about beating a good team, or a good team losing two weeks in a row. I think the Cardinals get it done 34 27. And then lastly in the NFL, Bills at Pats, the decider in the AFC East. Uh,
0: Lath, I was about to say, I knew Lath, if you didn't pick your Bills here, then you've just been a fraud all year. But I'm glad you did because me and Ferg are going to be laughing all the way to the bank. Pats minus two and a half at home. Belichick doesn't lose when it's called outside. Uh, I like Pats 22 20. That's not a cover, by the way, for those of you.
1: Interested. I do have the Pats with a cover. I have a t- low-scoring twenty-one seventeen win for New England. I think they go out and win the division this weekend and lays Bills. Gonna have a long, cold off season.
2: Yeah, going fishing early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got to be honest. Uh, Pat, Patriots losing last week was a little bit frustrating because I knew they'd be coming jacked for this one. But I'm sticking with the Bills. Me and AJ gonna be rooting for them hard. Gonna get the dub twenty-seven twenty-four. <laughs> All right. Those are the picks for this week. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm
0: going to talk a little bit of soccer by myself because Ferg, no fault of his own, doesn't keep up with it. And Leith definitely his fault should be keeping up with it, but he doesn't. So back in a second. All right. Second half of the show. Well, not half because it's maybe going to be 10 minutes, but want to talk some Arsenal because they've just been winning too much lately for me, not to, to hype them up on the podcast. Uh, since we last really talked about Arsenal coming off back-to-back losses against Manchester United and against Everton, since then though, four straight wins: a 3 0 win at South, or excuse me, at home against Southampton in the league; a 2 0 win against West Ham, big one. That was one of those six pointers up at the top of the league to get Arsenal into fourth. Um, then a couple of days ago, four-one win at Leeds, who just looked lost out there. Of course, COVID and injuries really, really uh, taking its toll on that on Marcelo Bielsa's team. And then today, I honestly forgot it was even being played, kind of like the weird bowl games. A 5-1 win against Sunderland in the, I think it's still the Carabao Cup, but, you know, like not the FA Cup, but the other one. So just wanted to brag on my Gunners for a little bit. Uh, I'm hesitant to get too excited because it's Arsenal. They're riding a hot streak, but everybody knows at some point it's it's going to come to an end. We do have Man City coming up before the end of the new year, or excuse me, before the end of the year. But for now, man, like things look great for Arsenal. They, and what I like about these these stretch of results, aside from the score lines, it's been the same lineup throughout these entire games. Going with the same consistent back line of Tamiyasu, Gabriel, Ben White, and Karen Tierney. Then in the midfield, as much as I still don't love it, granted Shaka and uh, Thomas Partey. Then on the wings, uh, Bakayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, who's become. You know, at least in this stretch, everything Arsenal fans had hoped he would be. I think he scored, I think four goals in those four across those four games, Um, and then Lacazette. Kind of in a year where I think everybody expects him to go for free in the summer, um, gotta respect the professionalism out of him. uh, Still giving his all and producing for Arsenal, even if it's not so much with goals, uh, but just you know, with all the attacking talent they have around him, they just kind of need him to be that false number nine. But uh, the reason he is in that role though is because Aubameyang. He's still persona non grata after after failing to report to training on time. Um, the story was he asked Arsenal for permission to leave the country to visit his mom or something like that. You know, back in Gabon or wherever. Um, of course, with with COVID and everything, that's kind of a big ask. But they granted it to him under the you know under the condition that he returned on a specific day, um, which he did not. And since then, has has not featured in the squad. Was stripped of the captaincy. Um, but, again, in that stretch, Arsenal enjoying the best stretch they've, they've had all season. So, and, and now sitting comfortably inside the top four at the moment, although there's some teams behind them that a lot of games in hand because there's been a lot of cancellations and stuff due to COVID. But, Leigh, uh, any any thoughts on Arsenal? I know that's not exactly your league that you keep up with. But now that Byron, I looked at their schedule, they have, like, no games throughout the Christmas period. So, hopefully, you can watch some Premier League here in the next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to get back on it. I am curious about uh... – you know, the the situation with Aubameyang. I remember, like, last year we were kind of talking about whether he was going to extend with Arsenal. It was kind of that – it was in those talks where we were trying to see, is that his long-term future? But, you know, now they're playing great. They're playing better than they've played in, like, five or six years. Abba's not really playing a role. Do you see them dealing him anytime soon, or is it too soon to have those kind of thoughts? Well –
0: short answer to your question no i don't think it's too soon and i don't like how much of an overreaction that sounds because again this is just four games and three of those against horrible teams one of them not even in the premier league you know like southampton have not been a good side this year leeds as impressive as they were you know they're they're a new relatively new premier league team this is just their second season since coming up um, west ham was very impressed with that win but on the same at the, to the same point though small sample size we're not so far removed from the worst game Arsenal has played all season in the loss to Everton. But the reason I think it's, it's, it's certainly not out of the question just beginning having talks about moving on from Aubameyang is because I don't want Arsenal to end up in a situation that they're experiencing with Lacazette right now, that they're experiencing with Edigan Ketia, who's actually more valuable, I think, than Lacazette at the moment in terms of a saleable asset. In the same situation that they, you know, had themselves with Aaron Ramsey. And that's like the free transfer conundrum where Arsenal are really bad about letting good players or at least players that should be moved on for a decent fee, letting them go on a free because of contract mismanagement. And so I think it was the right decision last summer to extend to Bamiang if for no other reason than that protects your value in him a little bit because that gives you time to move him either in January or still comfortably move him next summer. Um, I don't really see him going in January just because, you know, January is usually kind of a quick fix move or somebody that – or like clubs usually that, that make moves in January, it's either somebody they think can can immediately add to their chances of winning trophies that season or it's a player they've had their eye on for a while and, and have basically already made their mind up that they wanted him, and it just now made you know the most sense to do it then. In terms of teams that would be looking at Aubameyang either of those ways, in theory, he should be a plug-and-play striker, a guy with a proven goal-scoring track record, but he's been horribly out of form basically since he signed that new contract. I don't think any top side could throw him immediately into their lineup and expect too much production out of him, although I don't think Mikel Arteta's system necessarily, you know, gives him the best chances to score goals. So I think he could benefit from going somewhere else. But either way, no, I don't think he'll go in January, but I think especially the longer this off-the-field stuff drags on, you know, this isn't Yang's first issue like this. Um, I mean, I know he's generally thought of as a very, like, easygoing guy, smiling guy, but, like, locker room cancer isn't the right word, but he's definitely the type of player where, like, if things aren't going his way, he's not professional enough to just kind of put his head down and keep playing through it, you know? Um. So, yeah, especially like I mean, it's been four games now. Still no word on when he's coming back. If he's coming back, Arteta's kind of shown in the past, you know, with his quote-unquote non-negotiables, like in the way he treated um, Gabriel Gendu or not Gabriel uh, Mateo Genduzi with how you know he fucked up and he was immediately just gone, no questions asked. So Arteta's kind of playing hardball here, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw Aubameyang leave in the summer, especially with the way Gabriel Martinelli's been playing in his place.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to me, and the main reason I'm asking, I know you said there's a small sample size, and that could, they could very well start playing crappy at this point on. Um, but, you know, looking at it, this is really the first time I've seen Arsenal really have any sort of leverage in terms of roster management uh, that I've seen in a while. I mean, at the moment, it would appear that he's not surplus to requirements, but he's not a vital part of the, of the team. And if you, if you were to deal with a guy like him, not only can you fix other areas – but you can make a statement to a guy like Eddie and Ketchia that, hey, we see you as the future. Hey, we want a Lacazette to hang around a little longer. It just kind of seems like they've got some chips on the table that nobody really expected them to have. And you're right, small sample size, but if they continue like this, I could see them using him uh, just as kind of a means of, uh, of leverage to be able to get some better players and improve the team early on. So I think that's something to at least keep an eye on. Yeah. The thing to keep in mind, though, is so Lacazette,
0: I don't see Arsenal offering him a new contract because like as as solidly as he's performed up to this point in the season, he's just obviously not the long term answer. He's over thirty. He's he's never really been the player I think that Arsenal hoped they'd signed a few years ago. Um, so definitely time to move on for him and I don't think he's really interested in signing because Arsenal would probably at most offer him just a one-year deal, and I think he's kind of at the stage of his career where he's trying to get one more big deal to, to cash a few more paychecks and then kind of ride off into the lower leagues after that. Uh, and then Eddie Nketiah, who has basically been told um, through Arsenal signing a long-term deal for Fuller and Balagoon, who's a, who's a young striker who hasn't seen a whole lot of time in the starting lineup or even the first-team period, but... Has he actually has the same agent as in And when Balogun got the long contract, and kind of saw that as writing on the wall that maybe he's surplus to requirements. Um, Arsenal shopped him in the summer, but uh, Eddie, knowing that he could leave for a free if he can just stick out one more year, um, is almost certainly going to go. Which I hate again because he actually scored a hat trick today in the EFL Cup game, which I don't get why Arteta is playing him if if. You know, because you can make the the argument about putting him in the shop window, you know, getting him out there and hopefully score to go- some goals to get to sell him, and maybe Arteta's hoping he can squeeze him out in January. But with Nkedia knowing he's six months away from going wherever he wants, I don't really see what the point in playing him is, because it's not—it's like you're going to get any value from it. But, but yeah, I think Arsenal fans, and certainly my own best hope, is that maybe we move on Aubameyang, move on Nicholas Pepe, who's another guy who just hasn't been what we'd hoped he would be, and is just kind of wasting. Uh, you know not salary cap because it doesn't exist for soccer but just wages sitting on the bench and hopefully bring in a, a big name striker in the summer who can who can take this team to the next level but uh speaking of teams with, with big name strikers though Chelsea we talked a lot about them in the summer and in our last soccer podcast about all their transfer moves uh, bringing Lukaku and, and other players but they finally dropped off the pace at the top of the Premier League by nature of just dropping a few points here and there. Uh, I know they drew against Wolves and drew against Everton their past couple matches. And now all of a sudden Man City back to where we're used to seeing them at the top of the table with a few points between them and their next best. But, again, Lay, I know EPL is not your forte necessarily, but at this point in the season, who's your safest bet to go on and win the league between – it's really a three-horse race, I think Chelsea, City, or Liverpool.
2: Yeah, I I think you're right. Uh, I think if I had to pick right now – I would still go with City. I think – I mean, this is really Pep's specialty is winning the Premier League. I think they've got a lot going for them. There's not too many – If I I haven't kept up too much with it, but I don't think they're dealing with too many injuries at the moment. They're one of the healthier teams in the league. So, I think they're in a good position to kind of keep that going. And it'll be a battle with them and Liverpool. I don't think Chelsea's going to – I think they'll struggle a little bit here in the middle, but I I do think that City's going to be the one to pull it out once it's all said and done.
0: And just keep an eye on Arsenal; just twelve points off first. I'm just saying. Just true, saying. true. But got a lot of like. It's not a busy fixture list at all for the Bundesliga. I don't. I don't know why they don't play over the Christmas holiday or even around. I mean, because they're off until what? January, right?
2: Yeah, I think I don't think they play another competitive match till January. Meanwhile,
0: Arsenal in the Premier
2: League. I mean, like looking at it,
0: Arsenal plays. I mean, they played. I mean, they've already played three times in the past, you know, fourteen days. I think. Then now they play this Sunday against Norwich. Then, uh, let's see, they have one really quickly after that. Yeah, not even two days after the match against Norwich, um, they play Wolves and then play January first as well. So like five, four or five games in less than in less than fifteen days. Really, really brutal uh, stretch. For, for not just them, but for for a lot of teams in the Premier League, with what with Boxing Day fixtures and everything. So um, before we get out of here, recap some of our picks we made on the last soccer pod. Uh, I don't even remember what we picked for the middle one because I just took it out, but I had to take a chance to shit on uh, Milan. Uh, we, we picked the Napoli and Milan game. I picked Napoli, of course, because I'm never going to give Leith any credit for that. And what did they do? They went and won one nil. So uh, yeah, suck it, Lay. And then we both had Leverkusen, so yeah, whatever. But as far as big games coming up again, no Bundesliga, so it's basically you know slim slim pickings as far as what uh, what games we want to pick. If I can even find it in the dock here, uh, you know I don't even know I don't even know if I put new ones on there actually. So uh, here, let's I'll tell you what, Leth, we'll we'll do an all Arsenal edition of of the picks and see if you have the balls to go to go against me because you know which ones I'm picking. So if you're looking to make up some ground here, maybe pick against Arsenal, but. Rather than make it straight up, so between Arsenal, their first matchup of the festive fixtures at Norwich, and what we're going to do is, is guess the how many points we think Arsenal takes from their next three matches over the festive period. So we have at Norwich first, and two days later, home to Wolves, and then New Year, golly, starting the New Year just like they started this season against Man City, which I don't know how thrilled about that I am, but they get City at home. So, again... Three points for a win, one for a draw, nothing for an L. If you had to guess, Lath, how many points are Arsenal going to get between now and January first?
2: Uh, I think they're going to go home with four points. I think they get the first dub with Norwich. They come Norwich with come in with a draw uh, against Wolves, and then I think that City takes it to them. So four points out of that kind of grouping. Yeah.
0: I mean, if I wasn't an Arsenal fan, I'd probably agree with you. But we typically have played Wolves pretty well, actually. So I'm not super concerned about them at the moment. Um, but, yeah, i got to go with six points. I can't call us to beat City or even get a draw against them. I'm just hoping it'll be not in the face, and hopefully we lose by less than, than three. That'd be great. But, uh, yeah, I like six points for the Gunners, which would lead them in a great spot uh, moving forward into the second half of the season, hopefully chasing after that top-four finish. All right. Ferg, uh, before we get out of here, I actually want to talk. If you're still awake, I see the the Facetime active still. Um, this just came across my Hulu Live. This is nothing, and we're over an hour into the podcast. So anybody who's who's maybe probably <laughs> nobody's even listening to this, but have you seen how excited are for you? Because like, isn't the 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 Harry Potter Return to Hogwarts thing like coming out around Christmas? Uh, you know, you know what's little, up with that uh, game show thing? Uh. Well, that, but like, I mean, they're doing that too, which I've watched some of. Uh, but now nah, they're doing, like, this special, either on Christmas or New Year's or around it, where, like, like the cast... Because you know how, like, Friends did oh, that like return re- thing, where, like, the actors yeah. came back? Harry Potter's doing, like, a similar thing, although I don't think it's, like, a show. It's it's more of just, like, they got all the actors in a room to watch oh. it or something, and they're going to release it.
1: Oh, I haven't like even heard of that. Damn, I'm out of the game. You just- I know you're
0: the one's making all the Harry Potter references in the group chat well, today. Well, that is but,
1: something I'll definitely be watching. You say it comes out on Christmas, or it's something like that. Look up, look up Harry Potter:
0: Return to Hogwarts. I can do that really fast. It's like because you're right; they've been doing that quiz thing, which I've watched a couple of. Which I think you would be. You should watch it just because I want your take on it. But, um, it's it's not exactly for the for the true Potter oh, gotcha. faithful. It's uh like. Well, I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, it's obvious the people that are on it, like, really know their stuff. But at the same time, it's obvious that the producers, like, told them ahead of time, like, hey, you have to act like all these questions are, like, so hard <laughs> and, like, deliberate oh, over it. Where, okay. like, anybody... Like, I know you would answer these questions, like, before it even got out of their mouth. Um, but some of them are hard. There's, the hard ones are ones where, like, they'll show them a bit of a scene. And, like, they'll ask them a question about something that was super, like, not easy to notice in it. Like, you know, there was... There was one I remember, um, where the first the scene where Dumbledore comes like, "Did you put your name in the like goblet of fire?" Yeah. Like screams at him or whatever. Yeah. And it asks like, "What what did Madame Maxime like swipe out of her way as she walks um, in the room?" And it's like, if you weren't like paying attention, you wouldn't have any idea gotcha. what that
2: was. Um,
0: but yeah, but do, they, do yeah,
2: they, they show the video like to them, or do you have to pick it out from memory? No, they do. They do. It'd be
0: impossible if they didn't yeah. show it to you. Yeah. Um, but basically it's not it's not hard though, like most right. of the questions they ask, so it's kinda of disappointing. But anyway, this is uh the the gist on the Return to Hogwarts. Uh Harry Potter twentieth anniversary, return to Hogwarts. It's upcoming special that will reunite the actors and filmmakers from the eight movie series, which will stream on January first. Um Yeah. So this is to commemorate the franchise's twentieth anniversary. Reunite actors, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, um, it was taped at the Warner brothers studio tour in London and we'll, yeah, we'll have a bunch of the other actors as well. Uh, the trailer features cast reminiscing about the movies as well as festivities in the great hall, blah, blah, blah. So it could be hey, interesting, yeah. but I know, I know we're Harry Potter fans on this yeah. podcast. So figure figured out that's yeah, fun
1: fact. That. I have been to the Warner brothers, Harry, po- Harry Potter studios in London. I actually, I've been there. It's actually really fucking cool. So that's going to be pretty cool to watch.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about
1: it. Harry Potter's sick, so... Fuck
0: you if you don't like Harry Potter. <laughs> but, no. Again, nobody's making it to this point in the podcast. With that said, thanks for checking us out, putting up with our shit, especially Lates for getting his dang headphones and his computer crashing. So, uh, um, yeah, go Roadrunners
2: tonight and... and-
0: Lath, how are you? How are you going to make up though? You might need to switch to San Diego State real fast so you can make up some ground because you're six Brown, back.
2: Six back. I actually, I looked on there and I did already have San Diego State picked, so I'll be rolling with them tonight.